Good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend to all of you here and all of you joining us from Elliott Hall, but also those of you joining us from your lake house or your beach house or your cabin in the woods or your ranch. Did I miss any? Um, we know that you'd give anything to be here with us this morning. But if I haven't met you, my name is Emily Skates, and I have the privilege of opening us up to a new sermon series, Gain Wisdom. This is where we'll be asking questions about how do we gain wisdom in things like family, wealth, in our speech, or in our character, to mention some of the themes that we pick up in the book of Proverbs, which is where we will be studying now, whether or not you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, I'm sure all of you have come across all kinds of Proverbs in your life. In fact, see if you can recognize these and finish the sentence for me. An apple a day. Let's see, what's another one? Absence makes the heart. I'll give you an easy one. Easy come, easy or maybe if there's a will, y'all got this. You see, Proverbs is like this. It's a bunch of wise sayings. It's really wisdom applied to life. It's really a kind of street smart to help navigate all the bumps and edges of life. Like, do I marry that person? Do I take that job? How should I respond to this email? But I do want to make it clear. The Proverbs in this Bible are different from all other Proverbs. You see, the Proverbs in this book are not merely human wisdom or observations. Rather, the Proverbs in this book, given to Solomon and others who compiled it together, they come from God. They're His wisdom. It's His perspective it's his revelation to us. So before we begin digging into the different topics and themes of life brought up in Proverbs, we first have to ask, how do I unlock the key to a wisdom that comes from God? How do I gain wisdom in wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked because that's exactly what Proverbs answers in Proverbs 1, verses 1 through 7. So if you'll open your Bibles, we'll be in Proverbs chapter 1. As you're finding your place, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we confess that we are utterly lost without you. And Lord, we thank you for the gift, the revelation of your word and yes, we can open it up, we can read it, we can study it and try to apply it to our lives, but all of that is worthless unless, unless you illuminate your word to us, unless you work it deep into our hearts. And so Lord, we ask, Father, would you do nothing less than that? And Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase this morning. Lord, would it be you speaking to each one of us? And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So will you join me in reading and looking at Proverbs 1, verse 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, 
to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Proverbs starts off with some good news. We can gain wisdom. We can know it and experience it. We can understand and perceive it. It can be applied to our lives. But the question is, how do we gain it? What is this key that unlocks this wisdom? Well, the answer is found in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. What it's saying is, Wisdom or knowledge, it begins with God. As we've already said, we live in his world. This is his design. This is his order. We live according to his playbook. And I think we know this, but do we live like this? Growing up playing board games with my older brother meant that I was always losing it didn't matter what board game it was. I was always losing. For example, Monopoly. For some reason, he always beat me to buying Park Place and the boardwalk. Not only that, he'd set up all these hotels on both of those spots. And then I kid you not, it didn't matter what I rolled on the dice. My game piece would always land on those spots. Interesting. I was always losing. And it wasn't until I be began playing these games with other people that I realized my brother had been making up his own rules. <laughs> Don't we sort of do that? Like we know we live in God's world and yet we look elsewhere for instructions. Think about it. Maybe sometimes we look to culture to define what is true or untrue, what is right or wrong. Maybe we find ourselves sometimes scrolling Instagram to measure our status or our beauty, comparing ourselves to these fake images. Or maybe sometimes we find ourselves looking to the stock markets to determine whether we should feel secure or not. Now, I'm not saying stay away from all those things. But when we're looking for answers, when we're looking for wisdom and assurance, where do we turn to first? Is it to God or is it to something else? I myself struggle with this. So this sermon is really a conversation between me and God and y'all are just listening in. And I realize the deeper question that I need, and maybe it's a question for you as well, is how do we make sure that we're not settling for the world's wisdom, for our culture's wisdom, or even our own wisdom? How do we make sure that we turn to God first? What will make us go to him as the first call instead of the last? And the answer is fear. 
Notice verse 7 doesn't say turn to the Lord or look to the Lord. It says fear the Lord. This fear, it's an emotion. It's a conviction. Fear is not head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's a heart that's been so deeply affected, a heart that's been so deeply humbled. But how do we get there? I believe we get there by stepping outside of our comfort zone. Dare I say, we step outside of a comfortable theology, a theology where we put God in the box and keep him at arm's length. We've got to open up our hearts to a God who, yes, is untamed, to a God who, yes, is undomesticated, to a God that we cannot control. But it's there where he reveals himself to us. And it moves our hearts to fear. So I want us to do that this morning. I want us to step outside of our comfort zone and into a place that moves our hearts to fear. Now, there are so many attributes of God that can and do move our hearts to fear. But specifically in our text this morning, I believe God's calling us to come and see his nearness. The reason I say that is because it says, fear the Lord. All caps, L-O-R-D, Yahweh, the great I am. It could have used any of God's names, like fear the almighty, fear the judge, fear the king, fear the ruler. But no, it says, fear the Lord. This is the name God used to reveal himself to Men like Abraham and Moses and Joshua when he sent them out on mission. This is the name God chose to reveal to Israel when they were in captivity. This is the name that the Jews revered. They wouldn't even speak it out loud. It's God saying, I am. When they were surrounded by so many nations that believed and worshipped these gods that were lifeless and empty, and basically, I am not, God says, I am. But this doesn't just mean he's a God who exists. This also means he is a God who is here. He's a God who is with us, a God who is for us. This name, Lord, is his covenantal name. It means, I will be your God and you will be my people. In other words, the Lord, it means I am a God who has bound myself to you. That's close. That's near. And I believe it's closer than we can humanly comprehend, and it's closer than we would dare imagine. And so I have two pictures for us this morning to try and grasp a little bit of the nearness of God that moves our hearts to fear. And the first one, of course, is in Jesus Christ, in his incarnation. Think about it. God came down and became man. God put on skin. He put on flesh. He put on our human nature. In the person of Jesus Christ, who was fully God, fully man, God bound himself 
to man. There was no gap, no separation. We see this oneness of God and man. But can we go a layer deeper than that? Look at the cross. God had bound himself to us, but at the cross, God binds us to himself. And he didn't bind us through our worthiness. It wasn't through good deeds or anything of our own. Rather, he bound us to himself with our sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was on the cross where Jesus bound to himself sinners, the rejects, the outcasts, the criminals, the liars, the thieves. And God said, let me take your place and you take mine. That's togetherness. That is the kind of binding that God does where God binds himself to us and he binds us to himself. This is what Paul was talking about when he said, when Christ died, we died with him. When Christ rose, we rose with him. Because we are bound, we are one with God, the Lord Yahweh. This is what Paul met in Galatians 2.20 when he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Have you ever sat long enough to think about how God Almighty, ruler of heaven and earth, lives in you? Paul wasn't just being poetical. He was being realistic. That our God is that near to us, that close to us. But then the second picture would be at this table where we see that God has bound himself to us. Think about it. What do you bring in your hands when you come forward for communion? Nothing. I, I want you to think about this. When you come forward to take communion in just a little bit, we bring nothing in our hands. And it's at this table where we receive. He, Jesus says, here's my body. Here's my blood. Here's my life. Here I am. I love what J.I. Packer says, and I want to make sure I get this right. He wrote, the measure of love is how much is given. It's at this table where Jesus says, I give you everything. I give you all of me. I give you my life. Not just I am, but I am yours. Martin Luther marveled at this truth. He marveled at the nearness of God, of how an almighty God would bind himself to a sinful man. And so it moved him to pen these words. He wrote, My grace, saith God, shall be yours to pardon you, and my power shall be yours to protect you, and my wisdom shall be yours to direct you. And my goodness shall be yours to relieve you. And my mercy shall be yours to supply you. And my glory shall be yours to crown you. Luther writes, this is a comprehensive promise for our God to be our God. It includes all. 
Deus meus et omnia. God is mine, and therefore everything is mine. To fear the Lord is to have this awareness of God's nearness and see how it affects our lives. That is what will move us to a fear. And it's not the kind of fear that leaves us like criminals hiding from the police. No, it's the kind of fear that leaves us like children reaching for our father's hand. It's not the kind of fear that leaves us running for our lives, but the kind of fear that leaves us on our knees. It's not the kind of fear that leaves us exhausted and out of breath, but it's the kind of fear that just takes our breath away. You know, my dog, Brody, the cutest black lab there is, when he wants to go outside, he'll go and sit at my back door. And when I open up the door and let him out, I'll close it behind him. What do you think he does every single time right after? He turns around and he stands at the door and wants to come back in. Why? Because he wanted me to go out there with him. True fear, true reverence of God is catching a glimpse of his nearness to us. To the point where we become too afraid to go anywhere, to do anything, to make any decisions without him. We say, God, I see you and I want you. And we realize that we have him and we don't want to go anywhere ever again without him. So, where do we go from here? Well, let me ask, what are you facing in life right now? What decisions are you having to make? What trials or challenges or circumstances? Think about it. Bring it before the Lord right now. Maybe some of you are struggling financially. Maybe some of you are here and you're you're struggling with the, the pressure and the stress of being a parent to your children, but then also taking care of your own parents. Maybe there's some of you here who are grieving. Maybe some of you are here, your marriage is hanging on by a thread, or some of you are just desiring to have a marriage at all. Bring that before the Lord. And then I want you to apply this awareness of God's nearness, that he has you in the palm of his hand, and he will never let you go. Why? Because he's Lord. He's Yahweh. He's the great I am who has bound himself to you and you to him, and it's inseparable. He will never let you go. And when we do this again and again and again, sometimes we do get clear answers like yes, no, stop, go, here, there. But most of the time, we won't get the how, the what, the when, the why, but we'll get the who. And we'll find that that's enough. We'll find that that's the peace we need to sleep at night. That that's the comfort we need to go another day. That that's what gives us the endurance and the hope to look forward to tomorrow. I want to end with these promises from Proverbs about the fear of the Lord. 
It says in chapter 14 that it's the fear of the Lord that gives us strong confidence. It gives us a place to hide, a refuge. In chapter 15, it's the fear of the Lord that helps us to realize God actually is more valuable than wealth and affluence. In chapter 19, it says that the fear of the Lord is what gives us true rest and satisfaction of heart. It says that it makes us sleep satisfied. Who here needs that? Chapter 22, it says, the fear of the Lord is what brings life. Why? Because we realize in the midst of all of life, God is here and he has us. So Lord, we ask that you would help sink this truth deeper and deeper into our bones so that we can look to you, that we can fear you because you're a God who has us and takes away all other fears in life. Lord, as we face the many trials and the circumstances and the decisions, as we face work and relationships and just all of life, would we look to you again and again and find you are our God and we are your people and therefore we have all we need. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.